One, two, three. Welcome to the table uh, with Cliff Hurt. Uh, I have uh, an author, a father, a husband, um, a traveler, a fellow traveler, um, somebody I met uh, on the comedy scene, technically. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, who actually uh, does a little comedy himself, which is quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tommy Waite, the author of Any Day You Can Die. Um, and that's what uh, fascinated me about this young man. Uh, I'm young myself, but to see a young writer, um, um, somebody who's clever with words, um, just out there doing his thing. Um, yeah, welcome. I was, I'm really excited to have you here um, to talk about you and to talk about this book um, and where people can find you. Um, but here at the table, first, we like to start off with your story. So uh, give me a little bit about the background of uh, Tommy and where you're from, you know, how you grew up, and, you know, what got you into this space of writing, podcasting, and et cetera. Well, first of all, thanks, buddy. I'm not sure if I'm going to live up to that, <laughs> uh, an intro like that. But, uh, yeah, so I was born in the UK, but uh, my parents moved out to Perth mm -hmm. in when I was three. Okay. So I had the standard idyllic West Australian uh, suburban upbringing, mm -hmm. lived by the beach, lots of sport, all that jazz. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then uh, I'm trying to think what else is interesting. <laughs> 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 Funny if I ran out of steam. Yeah, that's about it, Cliff. See you later, mate. But, uh, no, um, yeah, so then I went to UWA. Mm -hmm. I studied communication studies, so I, yep. started, I studied writing. Okay. Uh, and then I moved over to Sydney. Uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, yep. was, uh, we met in Perth, but she was already over in Sydney. Yep. We moved over there together and um, we both had pretty good jobs. Yep. I guess we were kind of like upwardly mobile uh, <laughs> yuppies, I guess. But, but I, I had this like uh, sneaking suspicion that I was like, headed towards an early life crisis where I was like, if I don't get out now mm -hmm. and go traveling, I did a bit of traveling or like the a back backpacking around Europe when I was in, at uni, mm -hmm. but I wanted to kind of explore. And so I convinced her she didn't really want to leave, but mm -hmm. then we went to North America. The original plan was going to be Canada. Yep. Uh, but then we settled on New York and that's like a podcast in and of itself, <laughs> like how we, how we got settled in New York because we were really young. We yep. were like 23, 24. Yep. It's hard to kind of get set up in a city like yeah. that so young. But we did. We were there for like six years. And then... That's um, crazy, man. Yeah, it was, it was really great. But then um, my wife fell pregnant. And then life in New York, or I guess the States, was about to become a lot more real mm -hmm. where we were going to be like having to commit to the education and healthcare mm -hmm. system and mm -hmm. we were like i'm not really into that <laughs> so we we came back to have the baby in um in uh perth in in 2017 my son and then um we actually went back to new york for a little bit just to tie a blue sense but that's when we moved to columbia okay because i started working online um in 2015 and uh working for myself writing online and um I'd, I'd gone to Colombia by myself on a solo trip. Yep. And this was in 2016 because my wife, she came back to Perth to see her family on a solo trip. Yeah. And it was wintertime in New York. Yep. Fucking freezing. <laughs> and I was like, I want to go. If you're going somewhere no experience warm. experience like that, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if you're going somewhere warm, I want to go somewhere warm For as sure. well. She recommended Medellin, Colombia. 
uh, was becoming a popular place for digital nomads. Yes. So I was like, I'll go check it out. Had a great time. And because my only reference points were like Pablo Escobar, Narcos, Dangerous Place. Yes. Um, and, and I found that that was very much the past. Uh, Medellin itself had yeah, changed yeah. in yep. a big way. And so I had a great experience there. And long story short, when we went back to New York to tie up loose ends, we were thinking, where next? We yes. work online. We can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, fuck it, let's try Colombia as a family this time. And so it was a bit of, we, we didn't know if it was going to work out. And that was 2017. And it, it did. We, we enjoyed it over there. Yeah. We had an apartment. We had a set, we were set up pretty well. I had a cool group of friends. And that's kind of how my experience is living there and seeing the, the burgeoning expat digital nomad scene basically formed the inspiration for the book. Yes. Uh, which I started writing pre-corona, but then corona brought us back to Perth yes. last year. We okay. thought... Uh, just to be on the safe side, let's come home, be surrounded by our friends and family. Yep, and for so sure. that was last year. And then, yeah, guess brings it up to the present where we've still got aspirations to be nomadic again and explore, go back to Colombia and other places. But yep. at least for now, as you can probably agree, <laughs> Perth is an amazing place yes. to be. Beautiful place to be. Um, yeah. I, I can definitely attest to that. I'm lucky to be here during this time for sure. Um, and not anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Colombia. Um, like, you guys went to Colombia, um, the digital nomad scene. Um, for you guys, how was that, like, engaging, like, that scene, um, that life, that lifestyle? Um, and, and, yeah, like, did you... Um, did you feel like an outsider or did you, because I feel like uh, some of the book, um, that's the coffee machine in the background, <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, a lot of the book is uh, in reference, uh, the coffee machine is going crazy, um, is uh, in reference to, yeah, this time there and um, what you saw, um, the different personalities that you came into contact with, um, yeah. maybe how, not you felt personally, but whoever, the character. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And I guess I kind of have a sneak idea of like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was interesting for us because I guess um, we'd been working online and and have this uh, Amazon business that we uh, was my wife started it, but I yep. I, I helped her out yep. with uh, and and basically it became my full time job pretty quickly yep. shortly after she started it. And so what was interesting when we went to Medellin, we found that there was a really big digital nomad community. Yep. But to be honest, most of them were like um, solo entrepreneurs, guys or gals who were like starting something. Yes. And or they were maybe like working for a business already. They had jobs. Yep. And because and a lot of uh, businesses were outsourcing to Medellin. And so even though there were people doing Amazon stuff in Medellin alongside us, they were doing the, uh, they were doing slightly different things, and so we. It was strange because I felt kind of like you're already an outsider, yeah. not speaking Spanish very well, being in a completely new place. But then I found that we didn't really. Well, I, I at least I'll speak for myself. I didn't feel like I fit in with the other expats yeah. I- as well. So for me, that gave me like a good. I felt like a good vantage point to kind of observe yes. some of the weird cultural stuff <laughs> that was going on. Yeah. And essentially what I did with the book was I tried to cherry pick like the most interesting, mm-hmm. uh, obnoxious uh, <laughs> characters and and slam them all together. Um, but then I also wanted to make my own um, 
experience of uh, being an expat and kind of like a sense of cultural dislocation where it's this weird thing when you move to a place like Medellin, it's paradise, yes. everything's cheap, you're earning US dollars, yep. spending Colombian pesos and you feel like you've got it figured out. But th- at the same time, there's this nagging suspicion where you're like, why am I here? Like, yeah. what what did I do wrong <laughs> in the Western world? I'm not saying that's better mm-hmm. in Australia or the States, but mm-hmm. for some reason, we've decided to come here and you feel like an outsider because you're not connected with the Colombian people. So yeah. I kind of invented this main character mm-hmm. who, who has... Um, I essentially try to pick like the worst traits about myself and... and amplify them by a thousand <laughs> to make it interesting yeah, yeah. but the main thing that i wanted to try and um do with the story was just to kind of hit on what could happen if someone felt that like sense of alienation yeah, in, for in sure. an extreme way yeah, and yeah. like how far could they push it with the and hence all the the drugs and the crime <laughs> stuff. Yeah. that's awesome man um so yeah you kind of like led me into it um yeah so the premise what's the premise if you wanted to give like the full premise of the book or just like a snapshot for those who may be interested in reading uh it's based around a few characters yeah and and yeah so it's it's basically um it centers around four gringo expats who live in a share house in um the it's kind of gringo landia uh (laughs) the section of medellin called poblado and um yeah they are all kind of uh, obnoxious in their own, own ways <laughs> and they're all kind of losers in their own ways. Yeah, yeah. And um, they fail at a bunch of different things mm-hmm. but then happen to figure out a way um, to make uh, drop shipping mm-hmm. drugs work <laughs> out of their base <laughs> in, uh, in Medellin and, and they meet some other people who kind of facilitate that in yep. the city. So. My elevator pitch is that it's the Wolf of Wall Street meets <laughs> the beach. And uh, I guess, yeah, there's elements of uh, train spotting in there as well in terms of the dynamic yep. between the guy, the toxic masculinity feeding yeah. off each other and, and manifesting in a few different <laughs> ways, yeah. That's interesting, man. I um, Yeah, for all of my listeners out there, like a gringo is um, a person, just uh, an expat basically yeah. uh, from somebody who not who's not from Colombia. Um, and... Uh, yeah, why did you go with this title? I, um, you know, like <laughs> I uh, started the book and uh, <laughs> yeah, the title and the start of the book in itself just kind of drew me in a little bit more and more. Like, uh, so I'm excited to like finish the book. Uh, I got you and Barack on, on the go at the moment. <laughs> oh, wow. Again, again, that's high company right there. <laughs> um but why, why did you choose that title? Why did you go with... Uh so this is a cool story. That it's actually in, in one of the tiles on the title there. It's a bit piece of graffiti yep. that was uh, right near my place. In, I lived in this barrio called Manila, which is in Poblado as well. And uh, yeah, one day I was walking to the pool hall uh, and I saw this piece of uh, graffiti on the wall, took a photo. Then I started noticing it all around the city. Yeah. And so the full tag is any day you can die, but then there's often like smaller ones where mm-hmm. it's just any day where yeah. you see like on the side of bus stops and stuff, oh or wow. like just the little ones. And um, yeah, I, I kind of realized it would be a good title because it's it's in, in one way um, like a motivational, like yeah, something you might sure. see in a motivational for poster, sure. but it's also kind of sinister and threatening because of the death element. Of course. And, wha- and what's, uh, what's really interesting is that... Um, few weeks it was maybe a month or so after it came out came out in december of 2020 i saw one day on 
Instagram, uh, this handle, any day you can die, mm-hmm. had liked a bunch of my, any with like um, underscores next to each word, <laughs> had liked a bunch of my posts and and like sent me a DM. Okay. And I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? And like speaking in Spanish to me. And yep. I said, oh, hey, what's going on? Uh, have you have you stumbled across my book? And it, and this guy or gal, I don't want to blow up their spot, but, <laughs> but said, oh, I'm the one who actually wrote this tag. I'm oh. the creator of the tag. Oh, wow. So they've somehow figured out that I'd use this as the title. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was a little afraid. I was like, oh shit, are they going to be pissed or anything? Mm-hmm. But they were extremely um, excited and humbled that someone had used their yeah. expression as uh, for... Yeah, for for my book. So we had a brief exchange on Instagram with our buddies, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So so to answer your question, that's how I um, got the title. That's really cool, man. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, like, uh, does so? I mean, you spent this time in Colombia, and um, you you wrote this book. Uh, I guess I want to know a little bit more about like how long it took you. I know you said you finished it um, like during or the COVID time coming back. Um, but like, how long was this like with you, like as a baby? Um, yeah. So I, I would probably say about three years, yep. but it was probably only about, um, it was like three years from the first idea. Yep. And it went through like multiple iterations in my head and, and just kind of like, I, th- I had a different narrator in mind originally and kind of went through a different, v- a few different versions. And then, but in terms of actually like, knuckling down and 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 one thing that really helped me in the beginning i went away to this city in the north of colombia called santa marta by myself for five days and i picked santa marta because i've been there with my family before it's a pretty boring little city (laughs) and i didn't want any distractions so i just got like an air-conditioned apartment with a desk and i sat down and i kind of like uh mapped it all out Mm -hmm. outlined the, the entire book and then um it was really COVID last year that that helped me get it over the line yeah. um, because when we came back to Perth, it was our original 14-day quarantine. Mm-hmm. And so I was stuck in this really shitty uh, <laughs> Airbnb out in Jandicott. And we eventually <laughs> moved to a better one. But I was like, it was that, even though we had a very brief lockdown in Perth, it was that period where people were uh, reticent to go out yeah. and wanting to just, uh, stay insular so I was like I'm gonna capitalize on this and, and get this done yep. so it's one of those situations where I picked a deadline I was like it's coming out on December 7 mm-hmm. and from from there I was able to get it all done in the remaining eight months or whatever it was so to answer your question three years from the first idea but I'd say like just over 12 months of like serious writing yeah yeah that's uh that's amazing man and um uh, what was your I guess before like this uh what is your writing history and like uh, you know uh, any like other or prior like books or shorts or anything like that or any like writing like major writing gigs or yeah so I um like I said before I studied creative writing at university yep. and so I did a bit of creative writing in high school and university and then I was one of those guys who was like yeah I've got bunch of novel ideas yeah. and when I first moved to New York I first I tried to write a novel and I, yep. and I got it done but it sucked and, mm-hmm. and and I just didn't have the willpower to go back through it and uh, finish it and I also was just really ignorant about the publishing process yeah. I guess like self-publishing was a thing then but it was way uh, much less of a thing yep. so 
just the idea of like finishing my manuscripts and trying to figure out how to work with a publisher was daunting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just kind of sidelined it, and I was I was always someone who kind of just like, you know, dabbled in comedy and podcasting and like yeah. doing doing sketches and and writing and stuff like that. And so, um, but yeah, and then prior to this, my only other release is I, I wrote this novella. Uh, it's called Danny Did a Fluffy. It's on Amazon. That's okay. it. It's very much an expression. It's it's about um. It's inspired by. Do you, do you remember that YouTube video? Uh, Charlie bit me. Those two kids. <laughs> no, I will check it out. Well, they're these two toddlers, cute little toddlers in in England, okay. who um they're just mucking around the living room, and the the mother's filming them, and one the baby bites the toddler, <laughs> and then at the end he says, "Mummy, Charlie bit me." <laughs> And so my sick mind was like, wouldn't it be cool to like fast forward 20 years in those kids' future and imagine them as de- degenerate <laughs> drug addicts who are YouTube fame whores? <laughs> so I, I essentially used that video and then transplanted the story to Sydney. And um, so that's the only other thing. You can find that ebook and uh, audiobook on Amazon. But that was really kind of like, that's only 10,000 words. This is like 100,000 words of yeah, a full, a full sure. novel. But um, yeah, the. But it, that was a really useful exercise because it mm-hmm. taught me how to self-publish yes. and how easy it is. Yep. And um, yeah, just the mechanics of how to put together an ebook, how to record an audiobook. Yeah, and so sure. that really helped me when I had this bigger project in mind, yep. figuring out who to collaborate with and and how to get it done. Yeah. And um, what what do you feel like um, your reception uh, has been uh, since you like wrote the book and um, it's been sharing it around like Perth and getting it out to different people. And now you have uh, friends all over the world, obviously, from yeah. your travel and travel experiences. Um, what's been like the reception of like, you know, your first. Yeah. Yeah. So it's know. been it's been really good. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a bunch of positive feedback and, you know, like I think that I'm someone who very much suffers from the modern malaise of not being able to finish books. I was a voracious reader when I was a kid. Yes. And loved <laughs> books, always had, sometimes had a few books on the go, but now I'm just like a, you know, that infotainment bullshit where you're like, oh, I'd rather watch <laughs> a seven minute YouTube video because it's more attainable to get it done. Oh, bro, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, so we're, I don't need to explain it because basically most people live in this yes. mode and and um, and listen to a ton of podcasts as well. And that actually kind of informed how I wrote the book. I was yeah. like, I don't want to write this like stuffy Dickensian novel where it's like flowery and it's hard for you to get to the meat and the bones. And, yeah. and you can probably tell from the first paragraph, I've tried to grab people, <laughs> it, smash people in the face. Like right a, in there, bro. Yeah, exactly. Like a, like a punk song purposeful because i'm meant to be like this is what this is going to be like and you either like it or you put it down straight away i don't want to waste your time but anyway a bunch of people who've read the book have been like yeah i read it really quickly or i read the entire thing and so beyond any actual specifics of the um of their feedback just hearing someone say they finished a book yes and they read it quickly is like a huge victory for me because i was like i wanted it to be with my style i it's hard to uh, talk about your own style without sounding like a wanker, but I've tried to do, I try to take the low brow and write it about it in a high brow yeah. way. And I try to take the high brow and <laughs> write it about it in a low brow way. Yep. So that's what I was trying to do. And I was trying to make it accessible and easy. So the fact people read it has been good. And, and the other kind of like surprising bit of feedback is because I essentially used a narrator based off myself mm. and um to write about things and so people who know me 
and have known me for a long time, <laughs> I, a few of them have read it and have kind of said to me, like, are you okay? Because <laughs> it gets blurry in terms of, like, what's, what's real and what is it. Yes. And because I was so in it when I was writing it, I didn't really consider that. I was just yeah. using my own history as, like, completely in a u- utilitarian manner. I was like, here's the story I want to tell. I'll, u- I'll mold my own history and, and use it in this way to to further the story and, and create a more well-rounded uh, protagonist. But, and so when I was writing it, I was like, it was easy. I was just like, oh, I'll smash those two things that happened to me together. I'll tweak this a little bit and I'll just steal that, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> so when people read it, a few people have been like, are you okay? Like, what's going <laughs> on? And then I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. This is purely just an artistic exercise yeah, for yeah. me to to tell a dark story. Yeah. I've made up a lot of shit, but it's based on myself. So that's been the other bit of feedback. Some people have been like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> and that's kind of like what I, I mean, I guess based upon like what I know, uh, based upon what you have already said, um, in, in short, uh, especially, uh, you know, in that comedy setting where we're at, like, and then starting it, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's the, I think that lends itself to be like really, really interesting. And I think those blurred lines are, quite uh, entertaining and um, but also like there's some honesty in there right and in that like I think we find like that human connection where like we don't know where the truth and like you know what I mean like we all having some ideas and like having some really and I think the creativity of that um, and to be able to express that in like this way is like phenomenal so I'm looking forward to like also working through it and getting to the end and I'll probably have questions yeah great (laughs) like tell me hey man (laughs) yeah because I agree dude like the because what I've kind of realized is that you know there there is like the truth, and but no one can really access mm-hmm. that. Right? I mm-hmm. guess if you're a religious person, you think God can access that, <laughs> but um, but and then there's the second version of truth. It's like I've got my truth, you've got yours, yes. and they're different. And and when I was writing this book, I was like, well, I could use my own personal history, but. I don't even trust my own personal truth mm-hmm. because I'm like, it depends how much sleep I got the night before, <laughs> what I was, how many beers I had whenever mm-hmm. that event happened to me <laughs> 10 years ago, right. you know? So you kind of, it's slippery. And so I think I've, tr- I've taken, like I said, a pretty utilitarian and amoral approach where I was like, let's go for like a hyper yeah. truth thing where it's like, I don't want to, this is not meant to be some earnest expression of, of things I feel. Yep. It, it kind of weaves in and out of stuff. And, and ambiguity is the perfect word because I, I don't feel, I still, a lot of the things I'm trying to talk about in this book in terms of like um, being predatory towards mm. uh, women, um, like attitudes towards money, yeah. um, the whole like expat uh, versus uh, local kind of like neo-colonial <laughs> thing that's happening. Yes. It, it's these things are like, I think about them yep. and sometimes I'm like, oh, that's wrong or that's right. Specific instances. Yep. But on the whole, I don't really have, I don't have a simple opinion. It's complicated. It's complicated. Right? Yeah. So I've oh. tried to talk about the, I've just tried to blurt things out and use a toxic narrator yep. to talk about toxic. Yeah. Shit. That's pretty cool. Um, and I think you, uh, you said this and you kind of jump into this now. Um, and I guess I, I'd kind of ask a little bit more about your like personal take um, versus like, I mean, this toxic character yeah. who like can just spit out what they're thinking um, yeah. and maybe not look at it from, or maybe they are looking at it from a nuanced kind of perspective, um, like adapting, you know, do you feel like your, your average um, <laughs> expat 
when they go to these places that they adapt well um, yeah. or that they even have the tools to know how to adapt um, yeah, to culture and like exchanging culture and finding that healthy balance. Yeah, to be honest, I would say that like the vast, vast majority of expats are extremely sensitive and um, and understanding and appreciative of, at least I, I was in Colombia, so that's all I can really comment on. Yeah, for I felt sure. the vast majority of expats were... The interesting ones weren't. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what I'm obviously talking about because I'm trying to tell an interesting story. And there were douchebags there doing douchebag things. But I would say the vast majority of people are far more aware of like, you know, not speaking. I'm about to say all these things that I did while I was there, like not speaking English (laughs) loudly in public or like, you know... There is a understanding, and I think the vast majority of people do don't want to be offensive. Yes. And th- and there's just an acclimatization period, which which I think is natural. But t- like a big part of the book, and what's something that I drew inspiration uh, from is when you move to a new place, you oftentimes will join like a Facebook community, of course, because that's how you buy furniture and mm-hmm. learn about where to go shopping mm-hmm. and all that shit. And so the the Medellin ones were really spicy in terms of the content <laughs> because there were people saying inflammatory things. Yeah. There were obvious trolls. Oh there, no, there, were, there, was, there was all this like toxici- toxicity flo- flying around. And, and really it was, uh, it was embarrassing, but in a weird way it was kind of like because these things were getting hashed out, yep. quote unquote, in public on yes. Facebook, yeah, yeah. I think it was maybe informative of like how not to behave. <laughs> Other people, you know, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so it's kind of like I think in bygone eras, um, toxic people would have just been doing that shit in public, or, or like on not getting the information, and someone on the fence. So that's, uh, I guess, a long way of saying that the vast majority of people that I met personally, or at least kind of like saw interact with online um i think that they're really cool mm-hmm. and understanding but there are a few who don't and i think that there's a lots of there's lots of tools to yeah. help educate yourself about how to behave yeah in yeah, place. yeah that's pretty cool uh, now you actually say some really uh you know like some really i think cool stuff and i think uh i think if you've traveled or lived somewhere for a long enough time you you would have seen you know, weird behavior, this kind of toxic yeah. behavior. Um, and yeah, and it, it is heightened in these groups. Uh, <laughs> you kind of get to see what not to do. And uh, it's funny you say that, like, you just really take me back to my time in Mongolia, uh, you know, and just seeing, like, you know, having that same experience. And you're like, you're, all, you're questioning, like, am I seeing like that? No, 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 surely, like, I'm coming into this with, like, pure intent. But when you see, like, how, like, maybe some locals are responding to, that toxic behavior and you're like you have to really question yourself and take a step back and make sure that you're like engaging from this place of you know um humanistic you know i don't know like just being human uh, versus like take or being like some kind of um you know person that's coming in to just take 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 from the people and um and and get all you can and so yeah it's really interesting that's uh, one of those interesting like things and i think um I think any reader, you know, would be like if they haven't traveled and they, you know, it'd be really good to kind of get into that and just see <laughs> uh, what not to do. <laughs> and so, yeah. It, and it's also like I, the what was tricky is that this is like a satire. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, 
shine a light on someone who's like ignorant yeah, yeah, and yeah. but but um doesn't realize how he's ignorant yeah and i think that because donald trump was the president <laughs> of the united states for four years like irony and satire started to get difficult mm. it started to get slippery to understand and mm. comprehend and and because it, it was like the bizarro world was mm-hmm. becoming a reality so mm-hmm. i yeah it's the type of thing where it's like yeah th- there's all that happening and there's like cancel culture happening and stuff like that so i've I, when i was writing this and i put it out i guess i didn't really think of um how people would interpret it or whether they would interpret it in like the, the right way or the yeah, way it intended. No, but i also didn't care at the same time i was like it's you know to. there is that yeah. ambiguity yeah. and um you know people are if people are allowed to be offended yeah you know like uh, i feel like uh i'm for free speech and you know if if you want to write something that's inflammatory you have to accept people are going to mm-hmm. be like yeah i didn't i yep. didn't appreciate that yep. so it's it's the type of thing where it's like you you can do your best in terms of like um uh yeah doing something in an intelligent way yes. where where you've you've thought it through and and you're kind of like using a narrator to 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 achieve a goal yes. but ultimately it's like i might not be doing that very well <laughs> and someone could think no this is terrible so yes. Uh, there's not much I can do about it. <laughs> I don't really worry about it too much. Yeah, yeah. no, man, that's a uh, that's really good stuff. Um, and um, I mean, I guess like if you uh, had to um, tell any like young and up and coming writers, um, because now you have done it, and I know you're gonna do more. Yeah. Um, um, I got to hear some of your 99 word stories uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the boys, and I was like, man, this guy's good. <laughs> they're, they're, they're easier to do. Than <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you get to see somebody's headspace a little bit, yeah. like, you know, like, um, yeah. just like, wow. Um, what would you tell any uh, upcoming writers, um, and you know, like, in, in this, also in this climate, yeah. um, who, you know, may be a little nervous and a little scared to, like, jump out there on the limb and, or just put themselves out there and, like, to, like, play in that space, um, you know, like you said, you were people were like, oh, man, are you okay? Um, yeah. I think you have to go to that space, though, and creativity to, like, you know, break through you know the threshold of like uh, your a yourself but also like creating something that's going to be unique and something that you're going to be proud to like present you know yeah yeah if you're not uncomfortable i saw this good quote from Irvin welsh who's one of my favorite writers and he's like yeah if you if you when you put something out you should be like oh i hope my mom doesn't read this like that's <laughs> the, i feel like transgressive fiction i yeah. guess what he does and what i try and do that's yeah. that's like a good litmus test mm-hmm. but um yeah first of all I don't think I'm in a position to give any advice. So take this with a grain of salt. But one thing that helped me personally is I was some episode of Sam Harris's podcast where he had this, uh, it was like a stat guy who who looked back at all like the maestros of history, like uh, composers, Beethoven and people like that. And essentially what he found out is that like people only remember the hits and they think that like, wow, this guy did um you know just went from hit to hit to hit never missed <laughs> but then he analyzed like um competing composers from a similar era yeah. and and the reason that those ones were successful is that they basically made more shit yep and so people only remember the hits and so if you have a if you have a good um you, you could write 10 books and only one's popular, yep. but to the rest of the world, you're, you're, you're a huge success because you had that one. doesn't mm-hmm. matter you had nine failures. Mm-hmm. So I made that decision. I was like, 
in the era where it is really easy to create um, content easily yes. and push it out into the world easily, yep. at least if you're self-publishing. Traditional publishing is a different story, but if you want to, you can push stuff out really quickly. And I think that um, people want you to practice in public. Yes. You don't necessarily... Um, you got to have like pride in your own work where like this is good. But yes. I think that like we're moving away from a 20th century yes. artistic model where it's like Bon Jovi would write, spend two years recording mm. an album and then push it out and then tour for seven or eight years th with that one album. So like, mm -hmm. you know, it's just this like incredibly slow output because there was all this money behind them. By the way, whenever I abuse that example, I always say Bon Jovi. <laughs> not, not a Bon Jovi fan. No, I don't know Bon Jovi fans in my life, but I always use him because he's the epitome for, for me. It was like somewhere it was like a money cow, yeah. uh, cash cow yep. for the record industry. I think we're moving away from that model where now arti artists and entertainers are more like circus people. Yeah, you've got to really got to sing for your supper. Like the music industry, people there's no record sales anymore. People have to do a ton of gigs, and and so Corona screwed that whole thing. So I would say um, try and do a lot of stuff. Yeah, and and try and figure out what's the easiest way for you to get it out as quickly as possible. Yep, um, that's so powerful. That's that's probably my advice. That's great, man. Um, that's like sick advice. That's probably some of the best advice uh, I've had I had on here, man. Um, um, but it's you know it's really similar to, and I know we share a common thread in this. Um, listening to your podcast, I'm just kind of switching uh, gears a little bit. Um, yeah, listening to people like uh, Joe Rogan, um, and I'm pretty sure some other guys have come across your your uh, podcast uh, <laughs> journey. <laughs> Joe Rogan has definitely not seen my podcast. But <laughs> no, I'm saying like uh, listening to, knowing like that you listen oh, to. I'm inspired by yeah, Joe that Rogan. You're insp inspired by Joe okay. Rogan. I'm sorry I said that wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you're saying things similar to like, you know, a lot of guys who put out content. I know Joe actually, I mean, he, you know, he doesn't have to say it. Um, I think he just kind of lives it. He just put out content. Yeah, content, yeah, content, totally. Content, content yeah. is kind of spoken for itself. Um, but you got so many of these other guys who are out here and it's just like, you know, content, content, content. This is the era that we live in. Um, and so I think you're saying something. I think you articulated really well. You know, as an artist also, we need to do the same thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, some young people can take uh, some inspiration from that. Yeah, I also think that like, yeah, I've, I've been inspired by... Um, you know, like take those comedians, for example, Joe Rogan, Bill Burr, these huge comedians. I guess their version of a book is a stand-up comedy special yes. where they will work on something for two years yep. on the road and refine their hour and then go and perform it or go on Netflix. And so I've kind of like been thinking, you know, the podcast and uh, yeah, like TV appearances and stuff, these small bite-sized chunks of content, they were originally um, meant to be the promotional tools for yes. the big thing. Yes. But I'm starting to think now that like maybe it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, my book might be the thing that gets people listening to my podcast mm -hmm. and the and the small like or follows me on social media. Yeah, and that's yeah. a small thing. And so for someone who grow grew <laughs> up reading books and like studied uh English at university, that's mm -hmm. like, oh fuck. This <laughs> like this um, you know, uh esteemed uh, industry is kind of like under threat by some douchebags in Silicon Valley. <laughs> but I choose to think that like creativity is creativity yes. and you can 
it doesn't really if you can express yourself mm-hmm. it doesn't really ma- matter how people are doing it i'll continue to write books yep. even if it inverts and, yeah, and the yeah, podcast yeah. and the bite-sized content becomes more like important and like you know how people uh, it's easy to make money with those yes. things whatever i still will write books because th- they'll be interesting and maybe that will become the ad the big thing will become the ad for the small thing yeah for sure so yeah that that's also something that i'm I'm thinking about is that you can have an established uh, landscape in your head of like, this is how the world works. And it's like, I'm going to do this because <laughs> it's going to translate to this. It's like the world's changing, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you got you to gotta go with it. Yeah, man. And, and be uh, flexible yes. in terms of, of how you see your own work and yep. what it's meant to do. Yep. Uh, man, that's like powerful stuff, man. I, I couldn't have. Yeah, I, I think that's just really good. I'll have to take that and I'll make a little like <laughs> clip of just that. Not, not very snappy. It won't work on the bumper sticker. <laughs> Um, and so uh, we're at this point um, where in the hour where I like to kind of just get to know you a little bit more. I know you've kind of talked about yourself a little bit, um, but in the traditional Perth uh, way, yeah. um, you've been really uh, like, ah, nah, you know, this is my, this is my thing. This is what I'm doing. Uh, my life has not been that interesting, blah, blah, blah. And I think uh, what I find is that like every time I go somewhere, Perthians, um, you know, they're doing some incredible things. Uh, mm. This is like it's little own little island like kind of this own California or you know like where just weird things are happening um but life is just happening and uh it's not because it's so away from the rest of the world um you can kind of miss it um so for me as a foreigner here (laughs) um from the states who has been abroad for like the last 10 years you know by way of Asia like it's been really cool to meet people and talk to people um but just to give people a little um obviously they know that you love books uh reading writing what do you make what are you listening to at the moment as far as music what's some of your like favorite what was some of your favorite music to get into when you're like just stepping away from you know uh, uh so there's this uh i watched this danish movie called another round okay it's a it's a good movie it's about these middle-aged guys who are all like uh having a midlife crisis and yeah. they decide to follow this like uh philosophers um <laughs> this his his what would you call it theory mm-hmm. that life is better if you if you've constantly got a blood alcohol level of 0.05 <laughs> so they conduct this experiment when they're at work only at work <laughs> not in their spare time uh, it's where they always have like essentially two drinks on them yep and um it's a really well done move movie and uh there's this danish band they're called scarlet pleasure and they they're like a uh, song it's called what a life is um is is like the coda that you hear throughout the movie so it's like at the beginning and Mm -hmm. then this big dance sequence at the end so that's uh yeah that's that's a new tune i've been listening to um yeah it's kind of like i'm i'm typically into more alternative rock psych rock that's usually my kind of sweet spot of of where i sit in but (laughs) but i'm definitely open to a a a banging pop tune (laughs) and so that's that's one that i've been blasting when i've been riding around it's called water life by scarlet pleasure yeah (laughs) that's awesome man and um yeah, man. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, I like to ask these like little like poppy questions just to get people yeah, like, sure. a little uh, like another little into you. Um, and what are you what are you watching? Like if you like like if you're watching anything, um, you know, I know creative sometimes have to step away from everything yeah. or sometimes like really dive deep into something. Uh, what are you watching at the moment? Yeah. So I I've got a four year old son and a job and I'm trying to write <laughs> books. So I'm really busy. I don't get a chance to watch stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm really like uh, I'm a watch 
something once a month yeah, 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 heck yeah and and this new thing that i'm watching at the moment i think i'm up to episode four it's this new bbc documentary series called can't get you out of my head <laughs> where uh it's by this guy called adam curtis who's done he did his last documentary was about trump how trump's rise paralleled uh like the soviet <laughs> rise in the 80s and um and yeah the the new one is about um can't get you out of my head how a lot of it's complicated i can't even really explain yeah. it but, but it's essentially this like a psychological philosophical um exploration of how individual stories are um influencing society at large so kind of like we have a collective uh subconscious mm -hmm. and he takes historical figures from the 20th century so like Mao Zedong Mao Zedong's wife um Tupac Shakur's mother who was no a uh, yeah. a black activist yep. uh, I think one of the OG black yeah, panthers man. back in the day yep and and just chronicles there like um what they did with their life and and how it's led to the present day and um I think it's I'm up to episode four but as far as I can gather it's essentially leading to the fact that we think we're going to be dominated by algorithms yes. and the tech companies, but I believe that the documentarian has a more hopeful future and, and thinks that algorithms and Facebook and uh, Amazon don't tell a narrative. Mm. They're just like one note and, yeah. and people crave like stories yeah, is, yeah. is his angle. And so that, uh, yeah, but, but that's, if you're in for something, he talks about really complicated shit, but he, he uses historical footage and um, cool music, and so it makes it like palatable, and you feel like you're getting more intelligent. You yeah. probably aren't, <laughs> but you feel like you are, which is the main thing. That's what you want, man. <laughs> so anyway, that's the one I'd recommend. That's hilarious. Yeah, can't get can't get you out of my head. It's yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I have to check it out. Um, and uh, any like podcast, I mean, that you're listening to, I know you have your own. Yeah. Um, but like, what's your go-to like podcast when you're just like, ah, you know. I know you're writing, and you, like you said, you have a family, um, and so what what might you have on in the background when you're spending some time with your son and like kind of playing and have something to, you know? Yeah, I do that a little too often to be honest <laughs> with, with the AirPods, where I'm like playing with him and just like really listening to some other shit. But um, I really like this podcast by this comedian called Kurt Metzger, and yep. his a podcast is called Can't Get Right, mm -hmm. and the premise of the um podcast is that he can't get right, like he's always um, making mistakes yep. and and saying the wrong words and so he apologizes so <laughs> like i think he gave up I, after the first 30 episodes <laughs> he stopped doing it but he's, he's essentially he's like oh i'm just a big doofus of uh a comedian i keep saying the wrong words and and he's got a really um incisive take on things like cancel culture yeah. and um and just kind of the, I guess the mod, because he's worked, he works with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen yeah, yeah. on his movies and like he's a writer mm -hmm. as well as a stand up. And so he's got this really interesting perspective where he's been like a road comedian. He kind of like knows uh, regular people, but then he's also kind of like knows the inside of Hollywood mm -hmm. and, and how kind of like the whole commerce idea. And so I was listening to an episode this morning and they were talking about how um, Star Wars now is more about appeasing political interests rather than mm. you know like <laughs> rather than telling a story and potentially offending people yeah. it's more about like how do we make this palatable to the chinese market and yeah. stuff like that and so anyway i find that interesting because it's not just like 
cancel culture is bad. White, straight white males can't say anything. It's <laughs> it's nuanced. Yeah, yeah. And and he actually has, um, like I said, he's a good person to kind of like get takes yeah. on and stuff like that because he's in the middle of two worlds. Yeah, two worlds. That's that's phenomenal, man. I have to check him out. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I know I know you have to go, yeah. <laughs> and um, I thank you for. Uh, being here with me, man. Um, I before you before before you go, um, I normally end with like a little gratitude. Um, but th- is there anything else you want to share with me? Especially, um, I know people can find your work at uh, TommyWaite.com, uh, um, yeah. along with your podcast Tommy Waite on uh, YouTube, yeah. uh, your Instagram. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share with uh, my listeners, your listeners? I know you already have people out there listening to you and following. All right, you. well, I'll do the plug first. <laughs> end on saying cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Tommy Wait on uh, Instagram. Tommy Wait Square Record is the podcast, and Any Day You Can Die is the book. <laughs> yeah, it's check it out, man. On Amazon, <laughs> everywhere, and uh, you can get the paperback, the ebook right now, and the audiobook is coming soon. Just got to edit the fucker. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, and in terms of gratitude, uh, yeah, probably just yeah, I'm uh, very happy to be in Perth at the moment. You know, like I guess. Uh, I was, to get the book out last year, I really had to stay hibernated and <laughs> and just like say no to a lot of stuff because yeah. I was like, fuck, if I say yes to too many things, I'm not going to get it done. And so this year I was like, well, you got to do both. You got to like, you're writing another book now, but you got to promote this one. Yeah. And I've, I've got to try and make some new friends in Perth. It's really a trip for me to be back here because um, I haven't lived in Perth since I was like 20 yeah. or 21. Yeah, yep. So it's like 12, 13 years ago. So I still fortunately got a lot of old friends, but I'm also interested, like, I want to meet like-minded, cool people yeah. in the city. So yeah, I guess in terms of gratitude, I, I'd, I'd be uh, grateful to, to you know, friends and family, existing friends and family in person, and then also, yeah, new friends like yourself and the sure, Go man. King Writers Club yeah, boys. Man. Uh, Brian Gar from Rocket Podcasting because sure. yeah, it's just great and and you've expressed this to me, but it's it's cool seeing other people doing shit. Yeah, man, like yeah, doing, it's inspiring. Doing, yeah, man, it's very inspiring, man. Uh, and to know that you you know have a whole I say a whole a whole wife and kid at home, you know, like um, it's really also inspiring, man, to see you writing and doing your thing. And I think that's a testament to a lot of um, other like. Perth guys, you know, like I was just having a conversation with uh, a mate um, the other day, um, and you know, we were just talking about this uh, this this topic, and I won't go deep heavily into it because I know we got to go soon, but um, you know, just really how sometimes guys can get so caught up um, that they forget that like you know what makes them happy is like you know sharing themselves through like this art form or like through this medium that they grew up with and that they've had and then all of a sudden they fall in love and maybe life changes and they forget to like spend some time doing that um and i think you know i think it happens from time to time and you can but i think it's really important to keep that little small piece what whatever you do i think you've always probably been writing you know and even when you've had your highs and your lows um finding the time to get back to it because it's a passion of yours and so yeah um, that's really inspiring in itself just uh yeah dude (laughs) i i think that um yeah it's it's i've got the way i describe it is like with my life and the way i've i i've i don't have fuck you money but i've got fuck you flexibility Mm -hmm. and you see traps come up <laughs> often where I you're like, that. oh, I could fill in more of my time to get a bit more cash doing this thing, which 
earns me more cash, but I don't really like. Mm -hmm. Or I could say yes to this thing, but it's not really. And so I think that um, I definitely, I don't. Uh, cast judgment on other people because so of many course. other because so many other people d there's other stuff going on of where course, they can't yeah. commit to that but yeah, yeah, I think yes. that if you are someone who does have the opportunity to to pursue a passion yeah man uh, the world wants to see what you've got yeah man and uh, it sounds cheesy and kind of corny but I think that like you will surprise yourself yes about you know like you're your most of us are our own worst critics yep and. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so people like that occasionally need the encouragement to be like, uh, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that no one cares and you can do something else. Yes. But at least it'll be out of your system yep. and then you can move on to the next For thing. Sure. So that's kind of <laughs> what I try to think like most days. <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> um, legend. This is legend. Uh, and um, yeah, man, any any last words? Uh, any, you know? Uh, I just, last words, is, uh, I I don't like talking about myself, so I want to get man. you on my uh, <laughs> podcast so we can talk about you next time. <laughs> for sure, man. But yeah, and thank you so much for inviting me on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Uh, Tommy Wake, man. Any day you can die, guys, check it out. Um, it's such a pleasure and honor to have this guy here. Uh, and yeah, man, like I said, I'm looking forward to finishing it. I hope you guys can pick it up. Um, yeah, man. Thank yeah, you, Yeah, buddy. Peace. Thanks, man. <laughs>